I'm one that has to somehow find the positive in every negative, right? I just, it's just who I am. I have to go find some kind of glimmer of hope on what's going on with all this. This was on Saturday, and I thought this was fantastic. It was a little breaking news. Getting outdoors, not canceled. Music, not canceled. Family, not canceled. Reading, not canceled. Singing, not canceled. Laughing, not canceled. Hope, not canceled. Let's embrace what we have and not what we don't have. Beautiful. The best way to take care of yourself is to go out and take care of somebody else. This is a special edition of Financial Sobriety Podcast, and it's a very memorable day. It's a scary day for many, many, many people in this country, both from a health perspective and what's happened in the financial market. So we wanted to do a special episode today, and we have three specific topics we're going to cover. Yeah, these are these are unprecedented times. I mean, we're recording this on a day that the Dow Jones Industrial Average has fallen more than any other single day in history. Crazy. Crazy. And it's been on a rant for several weeks now. You and I recorded a, a special edition episode on a day the market was down a thousand points. And, you know, we were trying to have some fun with it, but wow, these last couple of weeks have been hard. They've really been hard. And and I think the message in the conversation today is just dealing with the reality of, of what's going on today. And trying to have calmer heads prevail. Yes. But at the same time, tackle it head on. Yeah, and... let, let's tackle it head on, but also know where we're going, because where we're going is this too shall pass, right? There, there are things that we have to do to be able to get through times like these, but at the same time, we have to have hope that we've had hard times in this country before. You were sharing with me a conversation that you were having, you know, just your mom and dad's perspective on all of this, right? Your, your mom and dad are in a home. They're, they're locked down right. throughout everything that's going on right yeah, now. They're 90, 93 and 87. They're in an independent community in upstate New York. My mom's in the skilled nursing. They're on complete and utter lockdown. No right. one's allowed in the building. And when I asked you this morning, how were they doing? I expected like hair on fire. They're going out of their minds. And what you told me surprised me. The gift of that generation is that they've been through more than about 10 of our lifetimes. So, so there's something we can learn from them. There's a tremendous amount we can learn from from people that are often sometimes forgotten with their experience in life, right? They've moved past in, in some people's minds. But when I sat there talking with my dad and my mom on different phone calls because they're in different rooms, my dad grew up during the Depression. He was in World War II, Korean War, GI Bill. Vietnam War, Kennedy assassination, the, the, new deal, right? the New Deal. I mean, all that they have been through in their lifetime, their attitudes were remarkably resilient talking with them. They're like, yeah, this isn't fun and we can't, you know, I can't go down and have dinner with your mom, but she's doing okay. And then I talked with her later in the afternoon and she's like, you know, she was more worried about me. She was more <laughs> worried about the kids. Yeah. That kind of fortitude, that kind of resilience is what we all have to draw on right now. Whether your stress is coming from the economics, uh, which are being driven by the health crisis, right. or it's the health crisis, or it's both, or it's something else. Yeah. We want to talk about three things. We want to talk, first of all, about how messy this is. Right. The reality of how messy this is. It we just, want to it talk is. about how do you take care of yourself and your people, which there's a financial sobriety theme there that we're going to come back to, and then some hope. That's one of the things that I think is missing, is there's so much doom and gloom 
there's so much negativity coming from public officials, public officials the coming media the media cycle that we we want to address that as well. So let's just tackle it full on, brother, and yep. go with the fact that this is messy. I mean, in in our damn near 40 years of doing this together, this is unprecedented. Not in terms of the decline, because actually the 0809 decline, and grant, granted this is not over, I realize, but that was 57% high to low. Oof. I just, I just got a little chill, like some hair on the back of my neck stood up because it, you saying that brought me right back there. Yeah, but I'm going to really hit you with the next one, which is that was October of 07 till March of 09. Right. It was drawn out. It was a more gradual decline. This is a complete and utter shock to the system in three weeks. February 19th, 2020. Party. We were was still the partying. all-time yeah. high in the stock market, which was four weeks ago. And we've had not utter collapse, but, I mean, we've seen about a third of the Dow Jones Industrial Average evaporate. Yeah. And please don't hang us in the public square for not being precisely accurate with these numbers. Yeah, the fact checkers are going to check but the numbers. it's but about a third. Yeah. And before this, there was no economic worry. There was no economic slowdown. Businesses were booming. Travel, if you did any travel, everywhere you went was packed. The hotels were packed. You got to the car rental spot. There was nothing there. If you know, They had to wait for a car. The hotels were packed. The restaurants were packed. Well, you and I just got off of how many weeks of recording here in the podcast studio about the need for some financial sobriety. When, oh, I think we got it. Well, you know, with 70% of our economy being driven by consumer spending, part of what we've been spending all these weeks talking about is the need for a little financial sobriety with all the spending. And sure enough, here we are, all the spending has come to a halt, right? And it's it's come to a halt out of a health risk. Yes, out so of fear. The, absolutely, of absolutely out of fear. This kind of a shock to the system is something I don't think many people are prepared for. Either economically, the savings rate in this country is very, very slim, and the people that have the seventy-five percent of the people that have the money in the stock market are are mostly sixty and above. Yeah, this is a double whammy in terms of those that have the money in the stock market and those that are hourly wage earners that are working in businesses that are getting shut down. I mean, there is the fear is real, and it can't be, it shouldn't be diminished right. by any means. So what we want to pivot to a little bit is how do you how do you take care of yourself during these times, right? Whether you're on mandatory shutdown, like in in my county tonight at midnight, it goes into essential businesses only. Right. There are plenty of people that are going to be out of work because they can't go to the car dealer and buy a car. The restaurants, the bars, the wineries, the all that stuff is it's shut all getting down. Closed. Yep. So how do you take care of yourself? What are some of the things that you're telling our clients and our listeners to to, de- to do? Well, within the framework of financial sobriety, we've always talked about these three most significant relationships people have, the relationship with self, the relationship with people, and the relationship with money. From that kind of view, how do we take care of these three relationships in times like these? Um, I, I spent some time last week down in Los Angeles with uh, with kind of a networking group of people that, you know, I get together with a couple times a year. One of the people in the group happens to be a doctor. He's he's a doctor uh, at one of the big local L.A. hospitals, a big well-known hospital. Uh, he's a doctor of immunology and infectious diseases. So it's kind of nice having him in the room. That's kind of a timely uh, person oh, to be chatting with. Yeah, the way the universe lines up and, and gave us the 
the gift of having Dr. Dan in the room was was wonderful. And one of the things that Dr. Dan was sharing with us is, you know, obviously there there's a health risk that we all need to be aware of, right? And how that health risk is especially affecting the more vulnerable, younger people and especially older people with with compromised immune systems. But when we look on a more global basis across all of society at what the 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 most dangerous part of this health risk really is, is in Dr. Dan's words, the risk of a high media diet. Yeah, because what does that do to you physically? Well, yeah, and what and what I mean by that is is the fact that we're taking in so much information. We we've got this twenty four hour cable news cycle. We've got these little smartphones in our hands. I mean, I, I was on Facebook a little bit last night, and literally every story I was reading from every person posting was some comment, some article forwarded by some expert on coronavirus. And the range of information from this thing's no big deal to this thing is the apocalypse is the range of this information that's flooding into my system as I read this. So, yeah, constantly wondering, who am I listening to? What's the right answer? Yeah. Who's right? Who's got the right data? What's real? What's not real? Exactly. And and what I'm realizing is all of this information that's being fed to me, that's all outside of my control. But what I do have control over was what Dr. Dan was suggesting was that this constant deluge of of the 24-hour news cycle where we're spending our whole day face down in our smartphones or on the new, on the TV news cycle kind of hard not to what that's doing to the stress levels in our body sure. and how that is not only accelerating the breakdown of our immune systems what it's doing to us from a cardiovascular standpoint, what it's doing to us from a standpoint of sleep at night, right? If we're consuming this news media up until the time we shut everything down and try to go to sleep at night, our brains, at least for me, I know the couple of days that I was taking this high media diet in, I was having a hard time quieting my brain down to go to sleep at night. And, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time working on that sleep thing for me. Right. And it got so disrupted that I was waking up in the morning tired and groggy. Right. Thankfully, I was holed up in a hotel and not out on the streets driving and commuting in traffic going to work. But just think of the, the amount of risk we're putting ourselves in from not getting a good night's sleep and then getting out on the roads and potentially commuting to work and the types of accident dangers that's starting to create. So, I mean, a very high-stress environment that everyone's living with right now. Oh, there's just cortisol pumping through our systems right now, keeping our bodies at these elevated fight-flight risk kinds of levels, but on like a 24-hour cycle. Right. So, I mean— So we could say that developing some discipline, some self-discipline— Yes. On no different than when you consume junk food or dessert or any of those kinds of things. We have to limit the intake, have a little self-control, limit it to so much time in the morning, so much time in the evening. I know with older folks that are home a lot, that TV is on, shut it off. Yeah. Shut it off. Yeah. We can't stress enough the importance of really dialing back at least the news networks. The news networks and and your phone. I mean, turn off the notifications on your phone. It's one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. And please let me be really explicit. I'm not saying put your head in the sand. Right. I'm saying for your own well-being, for a leader in your in your family, in your community, in your business, in your church, your synagogue, wherever you're a leader, you have got to take care of yourself right now. And right. you and I have talked not so much on this podcast, but in a lot of the other workshops and training that we've done with folks on rest and rehydration. 
Yeah, that, and that's coming in, in further podcast episodes. Absolutely. Especially when we get into the relationship with self. We're, we're going to talk a lot about this idea of how the world doesn't need us as leaders, right? And every single person in some regard is a leader in their life, whether it's leadership in their family, leadership in a classroom, leadership at work. There, there's always opportunities to be a leader within your community, some smaller, some larger. The people that rely on your leadership don't need you 24-7. But when they need you, they need you at your best. And for those that are needed right now 24-7, hopefully you went into it rested. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because I know you and I are burning the uh, the candle at both ends right now. But you and I are also doing a better job at taking care uh, of ourselves. Absolutely. And so that rest and rehydration comes with, and we got a little bit of this on a forced all activities being closed, school being closed, work being limited to home. Sure. There's a lot more opportunity for rest. Yes. Yes. And we would implore you to take advantage of it. Yes. I went home at 3 o'clock on Friday, and apparently I scared the crap out of my sister and brother because I sent them a text that said, I'm going home and going to bed. Yes. And they were like, what do you, what, what do you mean you're going to bed? And I said, well, this was what I call pre-sleep. This wasn't a nap. <laughs> this was the full jammies. <laughs> Under the cover, shades drawn. You mean you don't do that every day? I'm gone. You don't do right? that every day? Not in the chair drooling oh. for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 minutes. Right. <laughs> but 80, I mean, a real, 90. this was like, if I wake up and it's 9 p.m., it's 9 p.m. I'm sure. going to deal with it. Sure. Because I was exhausted. Yeah. And I napped on Saturday and I napped on Sunday. You got to get some rest. Yeah. And whatever amount of water you're drinking, double it. Yeah, hydration is such a, a, a big part of all of this. I mean, hydrating, resting. And I got a text from a friend this morning. We're um, hopefully going to get to have lunch together at some point here soon. Of course, we'll have some good social distancing between the two of us and sit 12,000 yards apart from one another. And maybe we'll actually talk to each other at lunch on our cell phones. But this idea of boredom, right? He texted me this morning about how bored he is and how he's dealing with boredom. That's a gift. It, it is, and, and, and that's something I really wanted to share a little bit today with, with taking care of ourselves, is realizing that this presents an opportunity for us to develop a little bit of a different relationship with boredom. Because what boredom really is, is it, it's just we don't have all the distractions that is helping time pass. We're being forced to sit with time right now because that's all we have. And this is a time where we can start really getting accustomed to this idea of rest and recovery because we're being forced to do it. And in a few episodes, when, when normalcy starts to return to the world and you and I get back to uh, recording more about that relationship with self and the importance for rest and recovery, those that take advantage of the forced boredom that's placed on them today are going to wind up having that baseline to be able to embrace this idea of rest and recovery going forward. Because it's not easy. I mean, that the group that I was with in Southern California, we talked about these things that we should be doing in life. We were talking about how we're performers. We're people who go, who go out and get in front of people, and that's how we make our money every day, right? We're in front of people. We're leading people. We're helping people make better decisions, and that's a big part of how we spend our day. The other two pieces to how we spend our day, and, and you know, our friend Bo Eason is the one who taught us this, and I'm, I'm so grateful for Bo. I, I hope you're listening, Bo was there, there are three things in a day that, that high-performing people like you and me do, and, and the biggest thing we do are these performances where we're out in front of people. We also spend time preparing for those performances, right, getting our bodies and our minds and our spirits kind of ready to show up, but then after the performance is this idea of recovery, of resting. 
And by far and away in this group of people that I was with in L.A. and we were talking about this, the one we all struggle the most with is the recovery piece. And yet here we are today in an environment that's forcing us, we don't have a choice, it's forcing us to sit still and deal with boredom. I think that's a hidden blessing Yes, in all of this. And I'm one that has to somehow find the positive in every negative, right? I just It's just who I am. I have to go find some kind of glimmer of hope on what's going on with all this. And mine is what you just described. Rest is going to no longer be a badge of honor that I don't do it. Right. And the fact that you've got to sit and potentially read a book, right? Or exercise, or there's so many different things you can do that are rest because it's not, and then what we're talking about here is it's it's not consuming all of the hysteria in the media. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's very noteworthy. I'm not trying to diminish it, but you got to take a break from it. Well, and that's, and that's what, I mean, Dr. Dan was basically suggesting is, look, stay informed, right? Wake up in the morning, have your cup of coffee, whatever your morning ritual is, and spend five or 10 minutes getting caught up with what's going on in the day, right? And then shut it off, put it away. You're, you're caught up. And then maybe later on in the afternoon, with the speed with which everything is changing and progressing, spend a few minutes in the mid to late afternoon doing the same thing. But by two or three o'clock, be absolutely done consuming this information, because that's like having a cup of coffee at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right? If you're consuming information at 4, 5, 6 o'clock at night, yeah, your brain's going to go out of control and, and it's going to disrupt your sleep. One of the things I, I was sitting here scrolling looking for— uh, You weren't looking at stock quotes? No, I wasn't. I, my phone's on airplane mode because we're in here recording. But my wife sent—the uh, whole family, she sent the boys and me a text message. This was on Saturday, and I thought this was fantastic. It was a little breaking news. Getting outdoors, not canceled. Music not canceled. Family, not canceled. Reading, not canceled. Singing, not canceled. Laughing, not canceled. Hope, not canceled. Let's embrace what we have and not what we don't have. Beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. I was going to emphasize the laughter part. So when you're done in the morning consuming those five or ten minutes— <laughs> Just laugh at it. Well, no. Go go to YouTube and yeah. pull up your favorite comedian and watch a little five-minute or turn on, if you have XM satellite radio kind of stuff, turn on the comedy channel and just laugh yeah. and get it out. Yeah. Flip side is if you got to cry, do that too. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a whole range of emotions, but laughter is such a key ingredient. I mean, when we talk to clients just even going through our wealth formation process and we're looking at that recreation piece on how they like to have fun in life, I mean, one of the things we're always in search of and all one of the things we're always encouraging people to do is let's get really clear on how we create laughter in our lives every day no matter what, right? What are those things that create laughter? And I know there are there are plenty of comedians. There are plenty of movies. We were oh, watching. Yeah. I mean, we were watching the movies, silly you, movies yesterday. Yeah, go go watch a silly movie because we're living in a horror show. But go watch a silly movie. Yes, you and I have also become big adopters of the Calm app. C A L M. Oh, love Calm app. And this is an app. It does cost money, which that's kind of a bummer. Maybe they'll have a, a free trial period or something for people right now who need it. Yeah, but it's not expensive. It's I mean, not it's, expensive. It's very it's, affordable. It's it's and it's well worth the money. It's an exercise that Beth and I have been typically doing in the morning, like right after we wake up. And if we miss, it's something that we'll do before we go to bed. And it's a wonderful way to, if you're not really experienced with meditating, it's a what's, what's called a guided meditation. Hmm. The host of the uh, series is marvelous. 
and she just has this voice that kind of draws you in. And the next thing you know, you're just working on your breathing and all the other thoughts. I'm always disappointed when it ends because I'm like, oh, I got to wake up. I got to wake up now and, and and face the reality, which, hey, that's what we do. But you're better equipped to face yes, the reality now. Absolutely. Right? I mean, the, the idea of taking this time to meditate, to pause, to listen to the Calm app, to go out for a little walk uh, around the house. Again, we, we've talked about this in so many different contexts within the Financial Sobriety Podcast, right? I, I was that crazy impulsive spender who's learned this thing called the 10-10-10 rule, where when I want to have this impulsive spend, the 10-10-10 bells go off in my head, and I pause for 10 minutes. And what we've talked about a bunch is how pausing for 10 minutes just creates that space for that emotion, whatever that is, to leave. So all and that of, was regarding an impulse and, spend. And that was regarding an impulse. But you can easily pivot this and make it the, I just read the Dow was down 3,000 points. And I have this emotional reaction to yes. that. And what I want to remind you of today is how whatever emotional feeling you're feeling about the Dow being down 3,000 points today is know that that's a temporary feeling. It's an emotion. And all emotions are temporary. They come and they go. The key is how do we respond to it? How do we react to it when that emotion shows up? And this is part of the self-care talk. We have to find a way to create that space. If it's as simple as just stopping and breathing, using the Calm app, going for a little walk around the block, playing with your dog, having a conversation with a friend or a family member, whatever it is to just help you manage through that temporary emotion, that's so important right now for self-care, taking care of yourself, because what that's ultimately going to do in taking care of your people is the people around you are going to see you doing this. I've always, I've always learned from the greatest leaders out there that it's not so much what the greatest leaders say, it's what they do that makes them so attractive to others. And I think the way that we can be incredible leaders to our people right now is how we react to all of this information that we're getting, how we react to what the market's doing, how we react to what the 24-hour news cycle says. And if we can show a sense of calm because we have these tools in our toolkit to help us in that moment that emotions are there, allow the emotion to move through us and get out to the other side, and our people see that, they're going to want to know how we do that, and it gives us a chance to be a leader. Undeniably, my favorite thing to do in times like this is to go help somebody go help somebody else. Oh yeah. Right? Go help one of your neighbors who is now isolated and and supposed to be at home because they're over 65. We have a number of them in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We have emails going out multiple times a day to all those people and some folks in the neighborhood were actually knocking on their door seeing if they're okay, if they need if they do they are they able to they can't get their prescriptions, right? Yeah. And that little act of selflessness is another restorative. That's another thing that helps you re restore your own confidence and your own energy because you're, you're doing good in your community. And oh, yeah. that's, you know, I can't really help people in Italy. Right. As, as bad and as sad as I feel about all they're going through, I can buy their products. I can consume their, their food and beverage. Sono affamato. Uh, well, exactly. I'm and, starving. Feed me. But- I can do something in my neighborhood. Absolutely. And you and I have, have said this over and over, and it's one of the most important things I've, I've heard in my own personal recovery, which is the greatest way to get outside of my own head is to get into somebody else's heart. Are you stealing my lines again? Is that your line? 
I mean, I'm, I'm always stealing your lines. Ex- I, exactly. Yeah, unintentionally. But, I know. You it's, know we're like we're we're one in the same. We, we can are. finish one another sentences. We 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 are, and we often do. I've got a really good friend whose husband has an, a compromised immune system, and she's been living in a lot of fear. And it was so amazing to see her get out of her own head by jumping into the hearts of our community, by putting something out on social media about helping the less fortunate families in our community, by putting a bin on her doorstep where she's collecting non-perishable food items to be able to take over to the schools where the schools can hand them out, where we can help the local schools do this. And, you know, in just speaking with her husband yesterday, the therapeutic benefit she's getting from that in being able to get out of her own head and her own worry by helping somebody else in the community has been huge. And they've got every reason to be worried. And yet here they are taking these steps to take care of themselves by taking care of other people. That's what we need to see more of in the media. Yes, absolutely. Is we need to see the humanity in all of this. We need to see what we're doing at the community level to help one another. So that's something I'm going to challenge you on today. Me? Every you who's here. Okay, good. Right? If you're here with us today, this is what I'm going to challenge. The best way to take care of yourself is to go out and take care of somebody else. How can we reach out somehow within our community and do something good for our community, for those less fortunate in the community? Realizing that there's some limitation to how we can get out and about, but that's the challenge I'm going to place out there for for you today to try. How, How can I get out of my own head by getting into somebody else's heart today? I love it. Let's talk about hope. Hope, right? I think hope is here. I think we're having hope right now just with what we're talking about. Oh, absolutely about. what we're doing. But we need we need some large volumes of hope to uh, be delivered by Amazon here in the next 48 hours. Well, let, I mean, but, let's let's think about this. You you and I, you and I have been in this business long enough that we've experienced a lot of negative markets. Mm-hmm. We've been through the the 94 bond market, we've been through the whole dot com chaos, 9/11. I mean, just I I We'll never forget the the days after 9-11 and the doom and gloom we felt in this country. Absolutely. And how we all came together, right? I mean, there's been so much divisiveness in our country the last several years that these types of massive events, as dark as they are, what they also do is they bring us together. We come together as America. We did it again in 08 and 09 when, when we thought the banks were going out of business and that you couldn't go to an ATM machine and take money out. Right. What happened was, was people came together. People forgot about politics in their community and they came together to help one another. And what also happened, what also happened is that when that rubber band of economic stress got stretched all the way out and virtually shut down one of the biggest driving forces of economics in our country, which is what? The consumer, ladies and gentlemen. The consumer, right? The consumer is 70% of the economy. Right. People reaching into their pocket, swiping their credit cards and their debit cards accounts for 70% of what makes this economy move today. We're seeing all of that get stretched to the nines where very few people are doing that, right? We're, we're stuck at home. We're not out spending money. And I mean, all the toilet paper has been bought that can be bought. So we're not spending money anymore. What's going to happen after weeks and weeks, days and days of this being holed up, not being able to spend money is we're going to lose a little financial sobriety, and what's going to happen? I think there'll be a boomerang. Huge. I think there'll be an absolutely huge boomerang. You have such pent-up demand for joy, fun. Um, experiences, experiences, entertainment. Experiences. We're going to be devoid of entertainment. Yes. We will not be devoid of toilet paper, though. That's, no. We'll have enough toilet paper to take us through the 23rd yeah, century. The, the, the Martians are looking at us going, what's all this toilet paper? <laughs> and... That pent-up demand is going to – it's going to be across – it'll be travel. 
It'll be autos. It'll be all kind. I mean, just the nature of our society, of our of our free market society, is that if you like the the rubber bands are marvelous in in economic terms, they call that the elasticity of demand. Ooh. Another fancy big that was business a big that was a big fancy uh, term that I could not understand the first probably five weeks I heard it because my uh, my professor in college was from outside the United States and had a very thick accent mm. and I won't tell you what it sounded like but it didn't sound like <laughs> elasticity of demand <laughs> that's what that's what should happen here yeah whether it's April whether it's May or whether it's as far out as months down the road which you know we have no control over that yeah. But it will happen. Well, we've talked about this. We talked about this in our last special edition. You know, there's there's a lot of fear that this health crisis is going to cause a recession, and and we've talked about how a recession is is a normal part of a healthy economic cycle, right? Just like the clock I'm looking up on the wall. I mean, it's this 24-hour cycle that goes around in a circle, with every day is followed by night, and every night is followed by day. Every storm we've ever had from a weather perspective is always followed by sunshine. Every sunny day is followed by a stormy day, and there are these cycles that just continue. Spring and summer are always followed by fall and winter. And then what comes after winter? Every single year since spring the training. dawn of day. Spring right, training. Spring training. Canceled. Right? Yeah, it'll be back. Right? One day baseball will be back. Masters. It'll be back. Right. NBA, it'll be back. Absolutely. And when all this stuff comes back, it's going to come back even bigger and better than it was before. This is uncomfortable. It's messy. It's not fun. We have to completely adjust our lives to the way we knew it. But when we get through this, we are going to come out the other side because we've all come together. Closer. Closer. More unified. Less divisive. And a booming economy that's going to make the last bull market look like a little walk in the park. So since all of our friends that are uh, listening are into the concept of financial sobriety. Yes. We are perfectly okay with uh, casting a little of that aside when the green light comes back on and we're allowed to leave our home and go out to dinner and enjoy a nice meal and go to a baseball game, whatever it is that you like to do. Saving can go cast a little aside. Spending can come back, but we can still do it within the vein of financial sobriety. What I would just encourage people to do is that once we get the green light, right, once the white smoke from the Vatican starts pumping through the chimney again, and it's, it's all safe to go out and spend our money again, let's make sure that the way we're spending our money is very much in line with the people. With your values. The people, places, and experiences that truly bring us great joy in life. And then go get it. Right. Go do it. Exactly. It's coming. That's a wrap, brother. Yeah. That's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com, for more information and upcoming events. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety, I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. 
Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. This has been a special edition of Financial Sobriety.